Does God forgive suicide? Spoiler alert. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's one of the questions we'll be looking at in today's podcast episode. We'll also be studying Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and specifically spending most of our time on what Paul means when he writes about in heavenly places. He tells us we have spiritual blessings in heavenly places, but what does that mean? Is that heaven or something else? That's where we're headed today, and I'm Jeremy Myers. You are listening to the Redeeming God podcast. So thanks for joining me today. We're not going to do a current events section of the podcast today, just because I don't always feel like I need to do that if I don't have anything pressing I want to talk about. I do want to let you know, though, that I have two new lessons up in the Gospel Dictionary online course, so if you're part of my discipleship group, you can take those now. The two lessons are on the Kingdom of God, and then I put one up on the word law. So those are both available. The Kingdom of God lesson is the longest lesson I have recorded yet. That's one of the reasons it took me so long to get it out, a couple of months. I had to do a lot of research and writing on that and recording. It's a little over two hours. So anyway, that's available there for you. Persevere and get through it. I think you'll enjoy it and learn a lot as well. So let's uh, turn to the mailbag. You have 937 messages, all of which are marked urgent. (laughs) That's sometimes how it feels when I open up my email for the day. Uh... But uh, I enjoy getting the messages and try to respond to those I can. So here is, I received this tragic email from a reader recently, and here is what she wrote. My brother recently took his own life due to depression. The last sentence of his letter that he left behind, he stated that he hopes to see us in God's kingdom if it is in God's will. As I'm reflecting back, my brother believes in God and believes in heaven. He knows that what he is doing isn't the right way to escape his emotions, but he's going to do it anyways. While at the same time, he's hoping that God will have mercy on his soul. I'm writing to seek answers to help bring closure. I listened to your podcast on Hades in YouTube. My first question is, will my brother's soul exist in a conscious state in Hades? When I die, will my brother and I still exist in a conscious state of mind where I can ask him why he did what he did? I know that the Bible teaches that our bodies will be resurrected, but before then, will I see my brother? Lastly, those who commit suicide, do they get to go to heaven? Okay, so she asked, and this is a really tragic letter. Um, I know lots of people have suffered from depression this last year because of the coronavirus and just life in general. Lots of uh, pressures and struggles. But even without coronavirus, these sorts of things happen all the time. And if this sort of thing has happened to you in your life with a loved one or family member, my heart goes out to you. And I'm very, very sorry for the pain and loss that you experience and the questions and doubts and fears and concerns that uh, you have afterwards. Sadly, uh, sometimes Christianity has not helped. And there are many, 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 many in Christianity who teach that suicide is unforgivable. And so that's partly where this lady's question is coming from. The reason people say that is because they argue that uh, if if you need if if God is going to forgive you for your sin, you need to confess and repent of it. 
And only if you confess your sin will he forgive you. And they, they get that idea from 1 John 1, 9, which is a horrible mis, uh, misunderstanding of that text. And I've, I've talked about that elsewhere. Uh, and so they say that if you commit suicide, obviously you don't have an opportunity to repent or confess your sin because you've, you've died. And so therefore God won't forgive you, and therefore you cannot spend eternity with him. Okay, so that's the logic, which is pretty much wrong on every single level. Okay, and I, I'm not going to get into that too much because um, it's just not the best way to answer this, this question. Basically, what I wrote back to this lady, and this is what I would tell most people who write a letter like this, is you can't assume that your loved one, your brother in this case, uh, ends up separated from God. First of all, as I've talked about elsewhere, hell is not, is not an eternal torture chamber. So I don't know where your loved ones go, uh, but we need to give them over into God's gracious hands, into God's mercy. And I believe that in cases of depression and things like that, uh, God takes all of that into mind um, and considers everything going on, all right? And so God, is, God gives mercy and grace to, to, to people in those situations. And so I, I, I would not encourage you or I would not invite anyone to think that just because a son or a loved one or a parent or a child committed suicide, that means they are going to be in Hades. They're going to be in hell. They're going to be eternally separated from you and from God. So uh, that's the first thing. Now, in this specific situation, this, 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 uh, this man who wrote this, her brother, said that he hopes that, he, uh, has, that God has mercy on his soul. Now, to me, this hope that God has mercy on your soul, to me, that means he is giving his soul over to God, in a sense, giving his life, saying, God, I, I know that what I'm about to do is wrong, but I, I have no other way out, and so, God, I, 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 I give myself over to you. He's almost saying what Jesus said from the cross, into your hands I commit my spirit, in a sense. Okay, And so, to me, again, I'm not the arbiter, I'm not the decider here, but to me, that is an indication, a pretty strong indication that he looked to God. This man looked to God as the only source of hope and eternal life for himself. Okay, And if that's what he did at some point in his life, even in these last few moments of his life, then the promise of God is that he has eternal life. All right, now, did he get all the, did he cross all the theological T's and dot his doctrinal I's? No. Uh, but again, that's where we depend on, the, on God's mercy and God's grace in these situations. It seems to me that this man did believe in Jesus for eternal life uh, because of what he wrote in this letter. And, he, and, and, and so if that's the case, as I, I seem to believe it is, then this woman will see her brother in eternity. And that should be a source of hope and joy and comfort for her. All right? Uh, so, yes. And by the way, suicide, this, this is what she asked at the end, is suicide forgivable? Of course it's forgivable. It is absolutely forgivable. I've taught this before, and I'll say it again. I've written it on my, on my blog. There's two types of forgiveness. One is free, one is conditional. I've written it in the Gospel Dictionary online course. There's a whole lesson there on forgiveness. There's two types of forgiveness, and most Christians don't understand this. The kind of forgiveness that God has for us regarding our sin is free and unconditional, okay? And God extends it, whether or not Jesus didn't even have to die on the cross for this sort of forgiveness, okay? It's not based on anything that Jesus did. It's based entirely on the fact that God is loving, gracious, and merciful. 
It's the, the, the Greek word is charizomai, it, and, and the Greek word for grace is charis. You can hear the beginnings. This type of forgiveness is based on the grace of God. It's completely free. God forgives everybody, okay? Everybody for all their sins, all, A-L-L, <laughs> past, present, and future. And guess what? That includes suicide. Is suicide a sin? Of course it is. It's a it's self-murder in a sense, uh, and it's forgivable. God has forgiven it. All right, so this idea that they didn't confess, so therefore God doesn't forgive us, that's hogwash. It's rubbish. It's heresy. It leaves so many Christians in so much fear and doubt and, and causes many to go into depression themselves because they think that a loved one uh, in a time of depression and sadness and sorrow took their own life and now is not with God and won't be with them for eternity. What a horrible teaching. The Bible and Jesus and God uh, condemn that sort of idea. All right? So, uh, yes, your brother is forgiven, 100%, without a doubt, forgiven, all right? And as far as all these questions about hell um, and, and eternal existence in Hades and so on, I believe we will be conscience, uh, conscious after we die, and I believe that in this case, you'll be able to communicate with her, or she will be able to communicate with her brother and so on, all right? And, and so... Um, there's lots of things about the afterlife we do not know. So I, I really don't think that's the overall point of her email, so I didn't really go into that very much, and I'm not going to here as well. The bottom line truth is, if someone commits suicide, number one, it's forgivable, it is forgiven, it's already forgiven, it has always been forgiven. And number two, God takes depression and sorrow and tragedies in life into account. He takes mental illness into account in these sorts of things. You and I do. Why do we think God would not? Isn't he better, more righteous and holy than we are? Uh, of course he does. And so when these things happen, God is not just this legalistic judge saying, well, you did this, therefore I'm sorry. No, um, he takes all this into consideration and I believe that uh, many times when people leave these sorts of notes and they throw themselves on the mercy of God, it's an indication that they, they believe in Jesus, that they, they trust in God for eternal life, even though what they're about to do, they know is not pleasing to God and is going to hurt their family, but they see no other way out. And it's a tragic situation. But uh, I hope that these sorts of truths about God's forgiveness and the hope for our eternal... Um, uniting with our, our loved ones will will give people who are struggling with this sort of thing hope and uh, peace and uh, joy even a little bit, that their loved one is waiting to see them in eternity. Okay, so that's, uh, that's this letter to, to me from this person. I hope it helps you if you're dealing with a similar situation. If you're not dealing with this, and you, you, it won't be long before you encounter someone who has, and I hope that you're able to give these similar sorts of uh, ideas and truths to them to give them hope and encouragement in their time of suffering as well. Okay? Let's, uh, let's turn to our biblical text. So we're looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 today for our biblical portion of study, and we're looking at Ephesians, uh, the text says this, Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. 
Okay, um, I'm not going to talk too much about the opening of this phrase, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because we've looked at that in previous verses, and Paul is repeating himself, so there's not much more to say about that. I do want to talk about this this concept of uh, blessing us with every spiritual blessing, uh, and how these are in heavenly places in Christ. All right? And uh, by the way, this study is drawn from various things I put elsewhere online. I do have a, a study on Ephesians 1, 3 through 4 in the sermon section of my, my website, redeeminggod.com. And there is, again, if you're part of my discipleship group, there is an entire entry on the word heaven uh, in the Gospel Dictionary online course. And a large section of today's podcast comes from that entry on heaven. I discuss Ephesians 1.3 in, in the entry on heaven. All right, so um, just sort of as an introduction, Ephesians 1.3 is a summary of everything Paul is going to teach in Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3. All right, remember the first uh, three chapters of Ephesians are all about our blessings and riches that we have been given in Jesus Christ as part of God's family. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 is what we're supposed to do with those, our responsibilities in light of those blessings, okay? So here in Ephesians 1, 3, Paul is saying, hey, we have a whole bunch of blessings from God. <laughs> and then the next three chapters, he's going to lay out what some of those blessings are. Okay, so this is a, a foreshadowing, all right? A foretaste of, of what is to come in the next three chapters of Ephesians. Now, uh, Paul says that uh, in that God has given us every spiritual blessing. This is important, first of all, to note, because uh, God has not just given us some spiritual blessings, all right? He's given us every spiritual blessings, every spiritual blessing. If you can think of a spiritual blessing that God has promised, guess what? You have it. It's yours. God has already given it to you. If there is a spiritual blessing God can give, then he has already given it to you. That's what Paul is saying here, this idea about every spiritual blessing. Now, a couple of things need to be said about this. First of all, these are spiritual blessings. Right? Paul is not saying that we have in our, in our possession every possible blessing. All right? These are spiritual blessings. Blessings, because there's other types of blessings, right? There's physical blessings, for example, um, uh, good health, a good uh, job, uh, maybe some more money in our bank account or in our pocket, uh, a better relationship with our kids or our parents, uh, a better marriage, or maybe if you're not married, just the hopes that you will eventually get married or something like that. Okay, uh, these are these are blessings as well, aren't they? And many of them are praised and encouraged in scripture. And so those are blessings, but those we would consider physical blessings, blessings uh, you know in the physical realm in a sense. So uh they Paul is not talking about those here in this context. He's talking about our spiritual blessings. And this is an important distinction to make because uh this is one of the misunderstandings of the uh the health and wealth uh, prosperity gospel, name it and claim it theology that you sometimes encounter in various churches and denominations. They like to use texts like this one, Ephesians 1, 3, 
to say that God has given you every possible blessing. And if you just have enough faith, right? If you, if you send in a hundred dollars, if you just name it and claim it, you just state what God has given to you and, 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 and claim that it is actually yours in Jesus Christ, right? Then you, it will be yours. And then oftentimes they go on to talk about mansions and jets and a million dollars and nice cars and Okay, and, and, and clothing and, and a Rolex watch. Okay, uh, what are all those things? Well, they would say they would call many of those things physical blessings. I, I think that scripture might disagree on that. Uh, material wealth and riches are not always blessings. In fact, sometimes the opposite of blessings, but I digress. The point is, there's this bad teaching in some Christian circles that God has given you every possible blessing, and that's just not true. Uh, he's given you every spiritual blessing, and he wants you to obtain and achieve some of those other physical blessings as well, but sometimes because we live in a sinful fallen world, it just doesn't happen, or there are delays, or you know, there's various things. So we need to just keep these two sort of categories of blessings separate. Paul here is talking about the spiritual blessings, not the physical blessings. Keep that in mind. Uh, and when it comes to these spiritual blessings, it is true that they are already yours, Okay, so here we could go with the quote-unquote name it and claim it, I guess, idea, as long as we keep it in the context of spiritual blessings. All right, if you want a spiritual blessing, like what? I don't know, forgiveness of sins. We talked about that earlier uh, in the, the, the letter from a reader. Okay, you have forgiveness of sins. So that means, from God, that means you do not need to go to God and beg, plead, ask him to forgive you for your sins. Why not? He's already given that to you. It is a spiritual blessing, and therefore it is already yours. So instead, when you sin, this is what I encourage people and what I, what I, what I do myself in my own practice, don't, don't go asking God for forgiveness. Instead, go thanking God for forgiveness. Say, God, I really messed up there. Okay, there's the confession part, agreeing with God that what you did was wrong. Uh, and you know it, I know it, God. Um, but thank you for forgiving me already. Okay, because you are a gracious, loving, and merciful God. Thank you for that. Uh, now, I made a mistake, and, and, and I think that here's some of the things that led to this mistake, this sin. Uh, help me to avoid these sorts of circumstances and situations in the past. Okay, so, so what you're doing is you're not asking for forgiveness. You're thanking him for forgiveness, and, and you're admitting, you're owning up to what you did, that it was wrong. And then you're asking for wisdom or advice or instruction or guidance or strength or whatever it is to help avoid making that same sort of mistake in the future. Okay, so uh, that's just an example. Uh, what other sort of spiritual blessings? Well, sometimes we struggle, especially now, with a joyful outlook on life. Look, joy is a spiritual blessing. You don't need to ask God to give you joy or hope for the future. These are spiritual blessings. So instead, in these situations, you can... Uh, you can thank God that he has made hope and joy available to you. Now, you might say, Jeremy, I don't feel hopeful. I don't feel joyful. I know. I get that. Happens to me a lot. Um, so what you do in these situations is thank him that, that he has made these available. He has given them to you. But say, God, I'm not experiencing them. I'm not feeling hopeful or joyful. Okay? And, and then you start to, to realize that there, you have certain perspectives, or there are certain behaviors, or certain actions, or maybe even certain people in your life that are stealing your hope and joy. 
And so you ask God again for the wisdom and the strength and the courage to make different decisions, to have a different perspective, to have different goals or visions or hang out with different people. Again, whatever it might be, so that you can begin to experience the hope and joy that you have already been given by God. Uh, One last example, a lot of times people struggle with their purpose in life. They don't have goals, they don't have vision, they don't know what they're supposed to do. Okay, well, guess what? Uh, A a goal and purpose and vision, uh, tasks, is one of the spiritual blessings God has given us. And Paul will be talking a lot more about this, especially when we get into Ephesians chapters 4. Ephesians chapter 4, yep, um, with the spiritual gifts discussion there. So uh, again, if if you're struggling, you're sort of just feeling wandering and lost in life, then you can say, God, look, I, I know you created me with the purpose. I know you have given me gifts. I know you have given me assigned tasks to me to accomplish in their life. The thing is, God, I don't know what those are. Now, there's a difference between you not knowing what they are and God not giving them to you, right? So you don't need to ask God, say, God, give me a purpose, Uh, uh, you know, uh, something like, or you don't need to ask for spiritual gifts. Instead, you say, God, I know you've given me a purpose. Uh, Help me understand what that is. Help me learn what my spiritual gifts are that you have already given to me so that I can put them into practice and, and be fulfilled in life. Okay, you see the different perspective on this? So, um, and by the way, I do have an online course on spiritual gifts. I create these courses, try to help people and deal with some of these basic issues of Christianity. So um, I think that knowing your spiritual gift is helpful for discovering your goal and purpose in life that God has given to you. And so I do have that online course on spiritual gifts, which you can take as well. The point is this, God has given you every spiritual blessing. And uh, if you ever feel like God has not given them to you, then that's just an issue of your faith and knowledge about what what he has done for you. And so basically, you just need to, to, to start recognizing God has given them, but you're not experiencing them. I get that. And so start praying to God not to give these blessings to you, but to help you see how to experience them better. Okay. So um, Ephesians 1 through 3, we'll be going into a lot more detail about all of this. So uh, if if you want to learn more, hang around in the podcast and we'll be getting to it. Now, I do want to say a word about this, these two words at the end of the verse before we turn to this uh, idea about in heavenly places. At the end of Ephesians 1, 3, Paul says that these spiritual blessings are in Christ. Uh, We are blessed. We have the spiritual blessings in Christ. It's a very important term in Paul, especially in Ephesians. I've talked about this before. Everything that we have as believers, as members of the family of God, we have in Jesus Christ. And this is important because only believers are in Jesus Christ. In other words, if you have believed in Jesus for everlasting life, then you are in Christ. Unbelievers are not in Christ. And this means, by the way, that unbelievers do not have every spiritual blessing. They have some. God has forgiven them as well for all their sins, past, present, future. You don't even have to be a Christian for God to have forgiven you for everything, okay, for all of your sins. Uh, but they don't have But they don't have all the spiritual blessings that Christians have. They have some, but not all. Christians have all, and all the spiritual blessings we have are in Christ. The other reason this is important to recognize is because these blessings are not in ourselves. They're not from ourselves. We only have these blessings, as as Jesus talks about in John, uh, as we stay connected to him, to to the vine, the vine and the branches. 
And this is important to recognize because I often think that when life does get us down, when we get discouraged and depressed and upset, uh, when when we it, it's because we're sort of looking to ourselves or to our our um, earthly experiences for joy and hope and fulfillment and satisfaction, those sorts of things. Okay, and so our our perspective, our gaze, our hope in a sense, has turned away from Jesus and started looking to ourselves or our outward circumstances. And this world will always disappoint. In fact, we ourselves will always disappoint ourselves. And so that's why we sometimes struggle with fear and doubt and a lack of joy and, and fulfillment and satisfaction, okay? But if we, if, we, if we look to Jesus, if we keep our eyes on him, if we follow him, if we look to him only for joy and satisfaction— it's then that we begin to experience some of these blessings, these spiritual blessings that God has given us in Jesus Christ, okay? So uh, that's that's important to recognize here as well. All right, so with that in mind, then let's turn to look at this sort of key phrase in Ephesians 1.3, in heavenly places, in heavenly places. Uh, by the way, if your uh, Bible translation has the word places in italics, might say realm or something like that. Uh, that's because the word places is not in the Greek. Our English translators added it. A literal translation of this phrase would be in the heavenlies. In the heavenlies. And your Bible translation might have that as well. Okay, but regardless of how to translate it, what does it mean? First of all, it is a recurring theme in Ephesians, so I'm addressing it here, but I will bring it up again when we when we encounter it to various places along the way. It's also found, for example, in Ephesians 2.6 and Ephesians 6.12. Now, most people assume that the phrase in the heavenlies, in heavenly places, uh, refers to being in heaven, okay? And, you know, being in heaven with God, that's sort of the idea. Uh, you know, not here on earth, but up in heaven, some other place. And uh, in fact, if you read it that way, it does sort of make sense with what Paul writes here in Ephesians 1.3 and 2.6. I mean, here in 1.3. Uh, if you think of in the heavenlies as in heaven with God, then our spiritual blessings are in heavenly places, right? Uh, in in heaven with God. Uh, and, you know, in, in 2.6, for example, we are seated with Christ. And, and even Stephen sort of talks about this a little bit. Uh, in Acts 7, you know, we're seated with Christ. He's at the right hand of God in heaven, this sort of concept there. All right, so so when Paul writes here about being in Christ, or these are with Christ, well, Christ is in heaven, he's seated at the right hand of God, therefore that's where our blessings are. The problem with that idea, though, is people read Ephesians 1.3, and it doesn't really help us now. Because if our spiritual blessings, sure, God has given us every spiritual blessing, that's fantastic, great, but guess what? We're not really going to be able to experience them or benefit from them until we are in heaven with God. Well, great. So I have to wait 50, 60, 70, 80 years, you know, maybe 10 or 25, who knows, depending on your age, until you get to experience some of these great blessings God has given you. Uh, yay. I mean, that's good. Uh, but how does it help us now? And some people might say, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, we, we shouldn't focus on the now. Well, I think that that sort of gets into a dualistic perspective. God placed us on this slide, not just so we can twiddle our thumbs and wait to die, uh, we're here to, to do something. <laughs> we're here to experience something that God has given to us. And we would think and hope and expect that he's blessed us 
These are blessings. These blessings. I mean, Paul is writing about this for three chapters. Is he writing three chapters just about something we're going to experience after we die? Hey, wait till you die. Then things will be good. It's not really very encouraging, is it? Eh, Somewhat, but not really encouraging for what most people are facing and struggling with the life. And so that's the problem with thinking that in heavenly places refers to just in heaven, because then people think, well, great, all these blessings, sure would like them now, but I'm, I'm not going to get them now. I'm just going to have to wait. Patience is a virtue. Okay, sit around and wait, wait for my blessings. And then once I die, well, guess what? That is not what in heavenly places refers to. And the last use of the phrase in Ephesians really helps us see that. It's in Ephesians 6.12. This is in the section of Ephesians, which is about spiritual warfare. And there it's used, in heavenly places, is used in reference to spiritual hosts of wickedness. Are they in heaven? No. Where are they? Guess where? They're on this earth now. And Paul says we are to struggle against them now. Here and now, in our lives now. All right. So there, in Ephesians 6.12, the phrase, in the heavenlies, it does not refer to some otherworldly or afterlife place where God dwells and we need to wait till we die, because that wouldn't make any sense in Ephesians 6.12. Spiritual hosts of wickedness, they're awaiting us in the afterlife after we die, and they are with God in eternity. The spiritual hosts of wickedness, really? And what's the point then of this whole discussion of uh, spiritual warfare and struggling against, uh, our struggle is not against flesh and blood and so on, okay? It just doesn't make any sense. No, uh, Paul is saying in heavenlies is, is, is sort of the spiritual reality now, in this life now, that we are facing now in our life, okay? It doesn't refer to some future existence after we die, or even what occurs in where God dwells some place far away from earth. In fact, uh, the phrase, I argue, has uh, in mind the words of Jesus from Matthew 6.10, where he instructed us to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, or you could say in heavenly places. Well, what does that mean? Jesus wants us to bring heaven down to earth, and that's sort of the same idea here. Uh, In the heavenlies refers to the spiritual reality, the spiritual realm that is present now all around us, in us, and through us during our lives now. Okay, so with that understanding in in mind, then it makes a whole lot more sense of Ephesians 6.12. Our task in, in that context, again, we'll talk a lot more about this when we get there, our task as followers of Jesus in spiritual warfare is to make heaven an earthly reality. And uh, we are to struggle against these spiritual forces that don't want us to do that and that hold us back and that keep us chained up in sin and temptation. And we're supposed to struggle again. We're not struggling against humans, against flesh and blood, but against these spiritual forces that hold us back and and drag us down. Okay, and and, and the same idea then can be brought into Ephesians 1.3 and Ephesians 2.6. Right now, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, with innumerable spiritual blessings, Uh, and and because we're seated with Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2.6. And therefore, we are to experience these blessings, use these blessings, discover these blessings right now, and use them 
to experience everything God wants and desires for us in our life now. It's very encouraging to look at these passages this way because far too many Christians focus so much on eternity, going to heaven when they die, right? The afterlife, that uh, they're basically, they're so, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. You've probably heard that phrase, right? They neglect the work God has called them to do now because they think, ah, this earth, it's pointless, meaningless, it's all going to burn, right? I'm just waiting for eternity. And that's very tragic because it completely ignores and neglects all the spiritual blessings God has given to us now. And they end up not doing the tasks that God wants them to do and has called them to do here on this earth now. As Christians, we need to recognize that we are seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places in the spiritual reality that is around us so that we can rule and reign with Christ now on this earth. Yes, in the future, that will happen, but also, maybe even primarily, during our lives now. The battle we're in against spiritual forces, uh, it has far-reaching consequences and ramifications for the physical world now, with politics and economics and health and medicine and parenting and marriage, all sorts of issues. All of those are related to spiritual warfare and struggling against these, these, these spiritual hosts of wickedness. Okay? So, um, that, that is what, what Paul means by this idea of, of spirit of in the heavenly places. Okay, these spiritual blessings which are ours in Jesus Christ, from God our Father, right? they are blessings which you can get a hold of now to help bring you joy and satisfaction and forgiveness and hope and healing and restoration to, re, to, to, to fix your marriage and your your. Uh, your job, and even restore your health. Okay, they do lead to physical blessings, but we need to, first of all, understand what the spiritual blessings are, why God has given them to us, to us, how to take hold of them, and how to use them. And that, by the way, is what the rest of Ephesians is all about. So we'll be looking at one of these great blessings God has given to us when we pick up next week in Ephesians chapters 1-4, which is the blessing of election. And you might think you know what election and calling and predestination is, but I guess uh, unless you've taken my online course or read my book on uh, Romans 9, you are probably um, misinformed, let's put it that way, about what the Bible teaches about election. We'll be starting to clear that up next week. It's a great blessing God has given to us. And we'll be picking up there next week in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode. If you want to submit a question that I might uh, respond to here on the podcast, just go to my website, redeeminggod.com, scroll to the very bottom, click that link down there that says contact me, and you could submit your question that way. And if you'd like to join the discipleship group that I mentioned here and there throughout this podcast episode, learn more about some of these, take all of the online courses. There's a monthly fee for the discipleship group, but once you're in the group, uh, all the courses are free, and it's over $1,000 worth of courses already, and there's more being added all the time. Uh, hundreds of hours of teaching so far, okay? So, uh, and the fee is just to help me cover my costs for this podcast and website hosting and so on. So, anyway, thank you for supporting me that way, and I hope that the things you learn in the Discipleship Group are beneficial to you there as well. Hey, thanks, thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week when we pick up with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4.